We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV. And you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Two weeks and then finally it's over. Until you start asking me about the 2020 Iowa caucuses the next day. Which may cause Aaron to do me the way Brutus did Julius Caesar outside the Roman Senate if I start doing that November 9th, correct? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I think that's Todd's job, actually. I mean, Todd's been beating that's, the drum. Uh, that's what I was referring to, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry. There yes. will be a strongly worded the, letter. There, there will be blood. Well... And of course, since Todd has uh, has spent much of his adult life as a Republican, there will be a sternly worded rebuke, I am sure. <laughs> John Boehner will come out of retirement to sue you. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Um, we're going to have some fun this hour. Earlier today, at least I had fun. I don't know what the audience thought. I had a blast. I just sat there all day taking people snotty questions. I love doing it. Uh, I was on uh, C-SPAN earlier today for about 45 minutes. The full clip is uh, pinned at the top of our Facebook wall if you'd like to watch it. Uh, No punches are pulled. Uh, As you might expect, we get into the election, the state of conservatism, etc. Snotty questions, uh, witty repartee. Well, maybe not that, but we attempted to, nonetheless. Later in this hour, actually about 15 minutes from now, we're going to spend the bulk of this first hour. We're going to pull out how I responded to a few questions, and I'm going to let the team here, you know, sort of dissect and critique me the way we often do our candidates and our leaders when they sit in that chair, and and, and we're on the other end uh, of uh, of the uh, conversation. So that's coming up in, in just a few minutes. But I, I want to start the show off tonight with a brief warning, and I, and I, I really don't want to keep doing this. This election, though, leaves me no choice. I'm sure many of you have heard the parable of the scorpion and the frog. Scorpion and the frog grow up together in the same swamp. One day the scorpion reaches the age of maturity and his stinger comes in. He really cares about his friend the frog and he warns him, you need to get away from me. I'm going to sting you. His friend the frog says, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't dare do that. We're friends. 
And then one day, the frog gets too close to the scorpion, and what happens? The scorpion stings the frog. And as the frog is feeling the poison coursing through his veins, with his last dying gasp, he looks at his friend, the scorpion, and says, how could you do this to me? We're friends. And the scorpion replies, I tried to warn you. What'd you expect? I'm a scorpion. Another day and another volley of WikiLeaks from the Democrats with juicy morsels to feast upon. I I do not deny that. Nor do I want to get in the way of Democrats being held accountable for their own words. It's their own words. You just don't know what is means, Steve. (laughs) No, it's their own words. By all means, accountability away as far as I'm concerned. This is Zupruder film DNA forensic level evidence we are getting. But don't forget where you're getting it from. People behind this movement are not our friends. They are not friends to liberty. They are not friends to freedom. They're not friends to morality. They're anarchists. Or Bernie Sanders-style progressives that are upset Hillary Clinton doesn't do the full Monty. Ask yourself this question. If the Republican nominee were sane and was leading or had a realistic chance to win, do you think we'd be getting these WikiLeaks? If the nominee were Cruz, Rubio, Walker, pick a name, somebody that was sane that could actually win. Do you think we'd be getting these WikiLeaks? Because I don't think there's any chance we would. If the Democrats had nominated Bernie Sanders, do you think we'd be getting these WikiLeaks no matter who the Republicans nominated? If it was Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump, do you think we'd be getting these WikiLeaks? No, we would not. This, I believe, is a setup. I want you to mark the tape, Aaron. Remember when I said this. Today is October 25th, 2016. Remember the tape you went back and got in January? Of me predicting exactly what they were going to say about, say about Trump months later. Right. And I had actually forgotten about it till you pulled out the tape. I do remember The that. day after that happened and played it back for me. Yeah. Except I had said it six months earlier. This may not happen in the next six months. It may not happen in the next 24 months. Maybe 36 months from now. Maybe 48 months from now. But you mark my words. And remember this. This is a setup. They're doing this. Because Trump's insane and can't win. And most Democrats don't like Hillary Clinton anyway. They wouldn't do this if it was Bernie Sanders as the nominee. And by doing this now, they are staking a claim to credibility. And people on our side, like Sean Hannity and others, are giving it to them. Well, it's going to be really awkward when the time comes and we learn that it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. When we start getting WikiLeaks about the RNC, like what happened in Mississippi with Chris McDaniel and Thad Cochran, what really went down when emails were really being exchanged. And maybe those will come in a 2020 election with a bruised, battered incumbent President Hillary with Jimmy Carter-like re-election numbers up against somebody who actually might be a shred of conservative, if not decent human being, capable of actually representing us nationally. And then lo and behold will come a similar onslaught of embarrassing emails leaked 
and we will try to dismiss it. This isn't credible. Except it is. Because we granted them credibility they don't deserve. It's going to be really awkward when the same people now saying WikiLeaks is Walter Cronkite later on attempt to say they're not credible and to discredit them when they do this about so-called our side and you mark my words, they will. Because they're progressives at best, anarchists at worst, they will. The payback will be real and it will be spectacular. And all of the lines that are being peddled by people on our side now, gentlemen, to defend this, when we try to discredit it later, will all be trotted out. To point out our hypocrisy that we're just we're just embarrassed. You know, we we liked it when WikiLeaks did this to us. We don't like it now. Or did this to them. We don't like it now when they do it to us. We are granting them legitimacy. It is one thing just to allow the anarchists to do their thing and get out of the way and let the chips fall where they may. But it is another thing to do what several people in our movement are doing, which is becoming their proxies. Giving them legitimacy. Giving them credibility. Be very careful, Todd and Aaron. Be very careful about making a scorpion your savior. For he will eventually sting you too. Well, the problem is, as you've laid out many, many times, we are in love with the binary choice. And so we will either hate WikiLeaks or love WikiLeaks until it is too late. Uh, to, to pull back... To be a grown-up in the room, and as you said at the start, to understand that valuable information is being procured, but for all manner of motivation that has nothing to do with the core of what I would hope uh, some of us are, uh, we just aren't a very discerning people. So I, I, despite your cautionary tale, Steve, I expect a lot of people to be stunned. Aaron, we need to understand we live in the era where the Internet never forgets. Right. We don't get to get away with just pure, shameless, partisan hypocrisy anymore. The, the recorder is running all the time. This is, by the way, well, I have not spent a lot of time on this on this show. I'm telling you, the, I'm giving you the answer to it right now. Why? Because I, I, they're going to do this to us. I'm not going on the record as legitimizing these people. Listen, they want to put this information out there and bury our political opponents. Far be it for me to get in the way. But I'm not going to be seen carrying their water at the same time, Aaron. Because the scorpion just stings. He doesn't have a target. He doesn't have discernment. He's not discriminating. He just has a stinger. That's absolutely right. And as much of a people who, uh, as we are, who, who love the binary choice and love partisan politics, and we just, that is the air we breathe, that is, uh, that's, uh, you know, binary choices is love, binary choices are life. Um, we are also a people who have a very short memory, for better or worse, most of the time for worse. So when the time comes, and there will be a time when WikiLeaks starts to hurt us somehow, we won't remember the times that we cheered them on when they were hurting the other side. We won't remember that at all. But don't say I didn't warn you. You're listening to Steve Dace. The free air 
while you still can. The Steve Day Show. All right, let's have some fun, or at least relive some of the fun I had earlier today. I was on C-SPAN's Washington Journal for about 45 minutes. The full clip is posted at the, uh, at the top of our Facebook wall. It's pinned there right at the top tonight if you want to go check it out for yourself. But uh, we, we've pulled aside a few clips, and I'm going to let uh, the team here at the Steve Day Show, you guys are going to get to dissect and critique my effort standing in the firing line like we often do with the, the people that we get to dissect and critique. So we're going to spend uh, this hour listening to a few clips of snotty or, snotty or pertinent questions from members of the audience. You guys can tell me how you thought I did in response. Let's begin with a, an angry caller to the Republican line at C-SPAN, upset with me for not supporting Donald Trump. Pedro and Steve, this is Glenn. Here's what I think is crazy. Hey, we had terrorists brought to our State Department through Uma Abedin and corrupt Hillary Clinton. And you expect the American people to let that into the White House? We have pandering with the press like you? It's sickening. When are American people going to take our country back? We're not behind a, a roped press line. Where, where has this woman been lately? She goes out to, and barely has a, doesn't have a press conference. She provides the questions that the press asks her. She's corrupt. She should have been in jail a long time ago. She lies to mothers and fathers of people that she didn't even send anybody to help on that three o'clock call and it's disgusting what is going on here with with mouth here just bibbling on he should be speaking up for the american people we're going to let him respond mr dace go ahead first of all i think we've learned over the last few years we need to be very careful about saying that people who don't agree with us are not the american people uh, we don't like it when Obama does it to us. Uh, and, and, you know, my Bible says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I don't like it when he does it to us. I don't like it when Hillary Clinton does it to us. I'm not going to do that to other people. Uh, that's get evenism. That's not justice. Secondly, the caller's complaints about Hillary Clinton. You know, I was listening to uh, my uh, Democratic counterpart in the last segment before you guys had me on, and I listened to Bernie Sanders caller after Bernie Sanders caller make some of the exact same complaints about Hillary being corrupt and dishonest that we just heard from this caller. So, I mean, this is not something that is unique to some right-wing, alt-right nationalistic fringe like some sectors of the liberal media want to fantasize about at night in their most fever dreams. But the reality is the only reason this election is even reasonably close since the Republicans nominated an insane con man, the only reason that he's actually within five points at the Real Clear Politics polling average is because the Democrats nominated the woman who is the face for the, the Washington corruptocracy. I mean, she is its symbol. She's its mascot. Uh, she's its first chair. And so many of the complaints that he is lobbying against her are shared by a majority of Americans. That's why they gave this crazy con man, Donald Trump, her friend, her voter, her donor, her supporter, who supports almost all of her ideas and even defended her post-Benghazi. These were all the positions Trump had until, like, I don't know, last year. The reason why they gave this fraud con man Trump as much time to make the case as they did is they didn't want to have to vote for her because they believe she's every bit as corrupt as the caller you just had point out and the several Bernie Sanders callers that called the last segment here on C-SPAN pointed out. But alas, I wish I could change it. You know, I did everything I could. 
I'm not Rush Limbaugh. I am not, I'm not uh, you know, Sean Hannity. I don't have the size platform that they do. They chose to shill for Donald Trump. I wish they would not have. I wish we would have had a sane candidate. I wish we would have had a candidate that could have prosecuted the issues that this caller raised in front of the 70 million people uh, you know, on an, on, in a national debate and didn't have the moral peccadilloes and all the other scams and, and just heinous scandals that Donald Trump is associated with. I wish we didn't have those things. That's why I spent two years of my life, Pedro, missing time away from home, from my kids, trying to have somebody come out of the, these Iowa caucuses who could be such a candidate. That's why I did everything I could possibly do for Ted Cruz for almost a year, so that we would not be in this position. But, it, but alas, other people decided they wanted ratings. Other people decided they wanted to sell books. Other people decided they wanted to build a brand. And so because of that, you will be saying Madam President for the next four years. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that exchange? Excellent job. Uh, really well done. And I, I have a little bit different read, I, I would assume. I think anybody who is uh, worried about what the dinner table might be like at Thanksgiving, whether or not politics is going to be uh, brought up or whether crazy Uncle fill-in-the-blank is going to start spouting some sort of nationalist um, overtones and undertones like uh, Glenn, the caller, um, did in that uh, call. I think what you provided was a perfect example of how to handle those situations, and here's why. You granted him that he had some valid, uh, to him that he had some valid criticisms. You didn't uh, go, it would have been easy for that guy, it would have been easy to go after him and, and make fun of him and toy with him, but you granted uh, his, uh, his valid criticisms, but then you uh, also uh, went into why you tried to stop this from happening in the first place and what the actual problem is. And I think that's a, I think that's a great example for, uh, for people who are worried about uh, facing some political uh, friction at the Thanksgiving dinner table. In many ways, uh, you showed a generosity of uh, spirit to this man, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I commend you for. I per- in my own personal life had had similar discussions with uh, guys like this just within the last week and the question you've posed in the past what would Donald Trump have to do that would cause the people like him to lose their support I- I'm starting to believe that there is just no change is there is something thing. become a Democrat uh, if he was a Democrat then all this uh, most of these people would be like well we can't abide I, that that it, it, I think we realize that Bill Clinton was not impeached for lying under oath he was impeached for lying under oath while being a Democrat Bill Clinton did not was not a, a scandalous president because he was he, he turned the word humidor into a verb in the White House and had bimbo eruptions it's because he did so while being a Democrat and it works the other way by the way as well that's why you have so many of these Bernie Sanders people calling C-SPAN that are just as angry about the exact same stuff from the other side that we're talking about i used to think that too but i'm not so sure there's a a, a tape that was i believe released today and it's of donald trump it looks like maybe five years ago just by the look at the age of his face where he's waxing poetic about hillary clinton what a great wife mother she is uh what great policy she's endorsed it's absolutely brutal i don't think this if you put this guy down in front of that video i don't think it would change his mind at all i I just it's such a idol has been formed around hatred of hatred of the person of hillary clinton forget the d that i it does donald trump it's the embodiment of what donald trump said i could go out in public and shoot somebody and i don't want to lose any support there you have it but with that i agree with that as well but we're seeing the same idol fashioned on the other side of course of course the idol of donald trump allows me to overlook all this woman's lying dishonesty corruption etc 
same idol, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, that's actually an interesting uh, angle that I haven't heard, that uh, this this has gone from idolatry of a candidate to idolatry of the hatred of another candidate. That is, uh, that is very interesting. Shh, what could I have done better there? To entertain me? <laughs> yeah, I was going um, to say. Uh, brutalize him more? Uh, I don't... I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I think that's about as as good of an answer as I mean for what you were going for what I, it's apparent you were going for in that answer I think what that's... I didn't want to let what I, we, what I didn't want to let them get away with is that the only people criticizing Hillary Clinton for his for her corruption are Pepe the frog emblem f- flag flyers all right we cannot allow them to get away with that and that's why I use Bernie Sanders callers to c-span well for, against them to point that out more in a moment you're listening to Steve Dace. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the C on the on the C SPAN Radio Network on the Salem Radio Network. My bad. We have been uh, replaying uh, some of the uh, clips uh, from my appearance earlier today on C-SPAN's Washington Journal. All right, this one you're going to have some fun with. If, and you've got to see the visual to this. Because the visual to this, I think, will really hit home how I chose to, to use mockery. Because what, it, what, have, what have I told you guys over the years I've learned? If it's funny, the left has taught us, if it's funny, you can be vicious, right? If it's funny... So go on, go under our Facebook wall, and you can watch the visual of this clip. I, I literally did do the stuff I'm describing. You're listening. You're going to hear me say here in a moment. Listening to a caller who literally has, has, has tossed his cookies over guns. Listen to this. Uh, Richard, our uh, line for Iowa residents, Colfax, Iowa. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. You're morning. on. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, my, my concerns are... Uh, Senator Grassley, uh, his uh, strict constructive uh, things about the uh, Constitution, when uh, they can interpret one uh, part of the Constitution or uh, amendment to uh, allow everybody to have uh, guns, they, they talk about the uh, uh, sanctity of life for uh, unborn. But after they're born, they strap an AK-47 on them, send them out there and say, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) Those things that just don't add up to me, uh, the the same way with the the gun law, you know, uh, uh, or with the, uh, all these kind of laws, you know, they're just, uh, they they don't really have any ground. And and then uh, they run on... uh, Iowa values, uh, uh, gee whiz, I, I know many, many Iowans uh, lived here all my life, and there's a, there's not any Iowa values connected to uh, the stance that uh, Grassley has taken in in his role as uh, in, in the Senate. Thanks, caller. Hold on. Hey, Pedro, sorry, I've got my hands up. A toddler with an AK-47 strapped to his chest just walked in. Uh, he's, he's demanding all my money. I'm going to give him my wallet, but uh, I've got to warn you, young man, I'm married, so there's never any money um, actually in there. I, I just, 
as my teenage daughter likes to say, I can't even. I mean, if, if someone please point me to where the tidal wave and scourge of toddlers with AK-47s may be uh, so we can at least give them uh, some safety locks. I should have dropped an ice cube. I should have said, you know what? I didn't have to use my AK. Today was a good day. All right? I should have dropped that. <laughs> All right, so I chose not to. Some of the questions that this caller raised, some of the substantive questions, were asked by other callers later on, but I chose not to let him off the hook by even accepting the substance of the serious questions he had about the Constitution, but instead just to point out that it, it, on, if this is what you believe, if you're verbalizing these things, you're not capable of that substantive disagreement anyway, and this, this should be absolutely scorned and mocked rather than taken seriously as any sort of demagoguery tactic. This gentleman sounded like he's been around several decades. Uh, is that the impression you got, Steve? Um, I, I, let's just say I, I think it's, it's been many a moon since uh, Mommy brought him home from the nursery. Okay. Yes. So there are Republican zombie babies strapped with AKs running around, and he said, and I quote him, I've lived here my whole life. You're still alive? This is a miracle. How have we managed to survive with kids indiscriminately owning AK-47s? You're like Rick in The Walking Dead. I mean, this is amazing. You're a survivor, brother. How dare you, Steve, boss? Where do you get off making fun of somebody? Thinking is hard, all right? My goodness, this is just it's, absurd. It's clearly harder for some of for some of us than others. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just absurd. And again, um, on the fly, uh, figuring out which uh, which direction you want to go with any, the answer. And uh, like with the last caller, you wanted to make sure that um, you didn't get off the hook by just making uh, the, the media think that it's only uh, alt right nationalists who c- criticized Hillary Clinton. And then this one, not accepting the premise of any of the substantive dif- disagreements about the Constitution and instead scorning him. Those things are hard to do on the fly, and I think you did a pretty well, do a pretty good job. I mean, I'm, I, I think we should, when, when some, of the, some of the questions he raised, I think we should address them and look for those opportunities. But you guys tell me if you agree or disagree. If somebody walks up to you literally frothing at the mouth, have you come to persecute us before the appointed time, son of man? That's not the time to have an apologetics conversation. You know what I'm saying? You, that, 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 that Michael Myers, it, it's the Donald Pleasant speech about Michael Myers at the end of Halloween. Cannot be reasoned with, cannot be contained. I mean, it just, it can't, that, that is not a person that you can have a reasonable conversation with. They're just a compilation of too many cliches. So don't even try to. Listening to Steve Dace. So, what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is, your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your beliefs, and there are progressive radical liberal phone companies spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office and fight for liberal social change. So what's a patriot like you to do? Well, you can start by calling my friends at Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. You get the same quality service, competitive prices, and you get to help causes you believe in. 
Call Patriot Mobile right now at 800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. Bruce Jenner's favorite program. Call me Caitlin. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. More fun with C-SPAN. My appearance earlier today on Washington Journal. I even put a tie on for this shindig, so you know stuff gets real. Is that a necktie or a clip-on or zipper? Uh, no, that's the real thing, brother. Nice. That is the real well thing. Done, sir. Yeah, I even remembered how to tie it this morning. That, that is the that is the real thing. I had uh, uh, Chris Wilson, who is uh, was Ted Cruz's pollster, send me a, a, a message this morning when he heard about. I mentioned I'm going to be wearing a tie. He's like, dude, you can. Now you're selling out. Now you're betraying who you are. All right? You got so we, man card points in the bank now. Yeah, so we, we had some fun with that. But no, it's C-SPAN. I figured, you know, if I, if I throw a tie on, maybe they'll take me a little bit more seriously. <laughs> but then I, like, raised my hand, threw my wallet around, and, and, and of course, whatever seriousness I was being taken with were, was probably thrown out the window at that point. I would have suggested wearing your cuck T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we're all cucks now. Yes. All right, so here was here's the next clip. This is a liberal woman who calls up. It's it's clear she's reading from a script, talking about Donald Trump. Listen to this. Good morning. As a mother, grandmother, sister, and an aunt, I cannot believe women in Iowa support a presidential candidate who is so disrespectful of women. Do the voters in Iowa actually think Trump will change his negative attitude about women, veterans, Mexicans? Disabled, minorities, Muslims, all these other minorities that have been called to the front by his ridicule. As soon as they elect him president, do you think he will actually change in his attitude toward women in this country? Um, first of all, that sounded like you did a really great job reading off a script, but um, I actually agree with your criticisms, but I think you have to look at it, you know, there's a proverb that says one man's story seems true until you hear the other side. Many of the things the caller is referencing, Pedro, are criticisms I have made on my radio show and explanations as to why I never thought he was going to win. I mean, you don't, you don't win by shrinking the electorate. Uh, I mean, the, what the Republicans needed to do in this election was hold on to Mitt Romney's base and then add to it. And I thought all along the number one target group to add to it were suburban voters. That was the main group that Obama flipped in 08 and 012 to win those presidential elections. And Republicans needed to win them back. And, and you can see they have not by where they're polling with Catholics and with white college graduates and with white women. Those are three groups that a, a lot of them uh, live in the suburbs. So if you can't win those groups, you're not winning the suburbs. But I think we have to also remember Newton's 
first law of physics, that for every reaction there is an equal and opposite reaction. I'm not going to apologize for Donald Trump. Frankly, some of the most leftist callers here in the C-SPAN, unless they're uh, low-information conspiratorial nabobs, are going to have a hard time putting Donald Trump down more than I already have. But I think you also have to recognize that when Hillary Clinton spends years saying that, you know, my husband didn't assault these women, uh, my husband didn't harass these women, it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. When Hillary Clinton says in primaries things like, my number one enemy are Republicans, and then she wants to run on a campaign of, we're better together, when she has, for example, told Christians who believe the Bible's uh, teachings about morality are true, when she has outright said, if I am president, I'm going to sit government on you and your First Amendment religious li liberty and freedoms that are enshrined in the Constitution, you know, it works the other way as well. When you pick on groups on the other side, you're going to create your own backlash. When you call people who just disagree with you deplorables, and listen, there are people that are supporting Donald Trump and, and spread this racist Pepe the Frog crap who are absolutely deplorable, just like there's people who, who are supporting Hillary Clinton that are deplorable, because deplorable doesn't know an ideology. It's part of the human condition. But when you do those sorts of things, when you make the other side's base know, just as Trump has done, when Trump has told racial minorities, when he has said the things about them that he has, he should not be surprised that he is going to see the backlash against him that he's going to see on November 8th. But it works the other way as well. When Hillary Clinton has told key constituency groups of the other party that you are not welcome in my home, you're not welcome in my administration, I have no interest in even hearing out your reservations, beliefs, or concerns, don't be surprised when that creates a backlash against her too. She is no saint. That's why her negatives are record high, except for Trump. Thoughts? This is my favorite answer so far. Uh, your response, all right, I see you and I raise you. you. Your point is well taken about Donald Trump. Now we are going to apply the same logic and reasoning to Hillary Clinton. And the response you would get, no doubt, is crickets. Uh, and I, now we're three callers into this, Steve. My general analysis is, um, is you're too... You're too good for whatever this particular hour was. I'm a, I'm a little. Is this the? I haven't listened to C-SPAN in a while. I expected something at least like f fake highbrow, like you know, college sophomore just starting to get a little uppity with themselves. W what exactly was? Is this just something in the air so far? I have I am I'm I have nothing nothing to do with taking any of the callers. I so I don't know. I don't know. Um, favorite line from that. Um deplorable knows no ideology it is part of the human condition i think i got that almost verbatim that is a line and i think that those are our types of things that we need to say and we need to talk about the human condition uh even more those are the types of lines that will a either get people very very ticked off at you or b because you're uh, you know you're uh, pointing the blame right back at them if they think they have no blame or b get people to actually start thinking a little bit more about what it uh, means to be human. And I know that's going a little bit deep for, for what this question was, but I, I, I love that line. You know, there's been a lot of talk on, from our end of the spectrum on if, if, if only we had nominated somebody who was sane. Well, this works the other way. Given who the Republican nominee is, can you imagine what would have happened if the Democrats had nominated somebody who has not done so, targeted her uh, opposition the way Hillary Clinton has who is who has not said and done the things that I pointed out she has said and done but even, you know if they actually just had kind of a run of the mill democrat like say Tim Kaine her running mate 
where would this race be on the other side as well? Seem to see the point that I'm trying to make. Of course, it's only as close as it re- as it seems it, it seems to be, because Hillary Clinton has let about forty percent of the American people know. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. She's just let them know that. I'm going to take away more of your freedoms, going to raise more of your taxes, I'm going to give you more regulation, make things harder on you. I'm coming for you. She didn't have to do that. Just like Donald Trump didn't have to race bait all these various groups, he didn't have to do that. She didn't have to do this either. Neither one of these individuals, they're not victims. They're both approaching 70. All right, they're not victims. They're, they're, they're adults. They made their choices. And now, November 9th and beyond, they will live with them. You're listening to Steve Dace. Drain the Swamp, the Steve Day Show. All right, one more clip from today's appearance earlier today on C-SPAN. This one is a caller asking me about Ted Cruz. Uh, yes, thank you. My question for Mr. Dace is um, I went to a couple of cruise events in the northwest part of your state, and he had such a dedicated group of followers and supporters. Um, and I just wondered um, what you think their chances of supporting him in 2020 are after he decided to endorse Trump. You know what, man? I love Ted Cruz like a brother. We're good friends. But my job is to call balls and strikes more than make friends. I thought his decision to endorse Trump, even before the NBC video and a lot of the other things that we have now have come out, uh, I thought it was, and I said so at the time, and I said this to him at the time, and I said this on my show. I think it's the worst political miscalculation people I've seen uh, somebody who I really like make in recent memory. And if it's not the worst, it's a close second to Marco Rubio doing the Gang of Eight, which I could make the case if Marco Rubio never stands up at that uh, podium uh, with Chuck Schumer and John McCain and, and goes for amnesty, we are never in this position. And, and Marco Rubio is, he is coasting to the nomination and is probably leading this election by eight to ten points as we speak and looking at a historic semblance of victory. So, you know, uh, Charlie Sykes, the talk show host in Wisconsin, has, I think, a really potent saying. Trump corrupts and absolute Trump corrupts absolutely. And when we come out of this election, the amount of people who came closely into Trump's orbit that are going to come out of this election with more integrity than they began it is going to be a, a really small, minuscule, microscopic, atomic level, subatomic level list. So when you, have, when you have Cruz's talent and you have his conviction, he is still a senator. He is still able to fight for conservatives on the issues we care the most about. So I would not write him off. But I definitely think he has made his task in 2020 Tougher. Imagine knowing what we know now and the way that Trump has imploded, the fake campaign he's running where two weeks before the election he's going to do a, an event in D.C. He's still spending where he's not competitive. He's still spending money in Virginia, which hasn't been competitive since Hillary put Tim Kaine on the ticket. Why? Because I think when this election is over, mark my words, Pedro. I want to challenge your audience here at C-SPAN. Mark my words. Mark the tape right now. When this election is over, Somebody's going to go through the FEC disclosure of the Trump campaign, and they're going to find two things, I believe. One, they're going to find the number one expenditure of the Trump campaign was him reimbursing himself and his, and his, and his interests. Two, I think they're going to find that there's an uncanny alignment of, of where Trump spent money and energy and where Trump owns properties. 
watch, mark my words, I think you will see that when this election is over. And so knowing what we know now, can you imagine the catbird seat Ted Cruz? Ted Cruz would be sitting in the 1970, post-76 Reagan seat right now if he had never endorsed Trump and just walked away like me and many of his supporters wanted him to. But he made a big boy decision, and now he'll have to pay the big boy price for it. He is still going to be one of the best options we have, no question. But he will not be a shoo-in by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to win back a portion of his base that he disappointed that he had prior to that endorsement. Quickly, thoughts, Todd? 2020 is irrelevant, but on the, other than that, great answer. Uh, I agree completely with Todd. Nothing to add. Do you think I helped our cause on, on here this, this morning? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Good, because at the very least, I was going for having fun, and I did that. You're listening to Steve Dace. Witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Back with another hour of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up later on in this hour, we're going to debut a brand new segment here on the show. But coming up here in about 15 minutes, James O'Keefe is going to join us. From Project Veritas. You know the guy that puts out those videos that everybody says aren't true and it's all hackery, but we're going to fire people over them anyway, right? This is, I want our audience, just to get a taste of what we're going to be talking about next segment with James, this is a montage of the videos pertaining to this election that James has put out thus far. This is part one of our undercover investigation into the dark, backroom dealings of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. The culmination of a year-long investigation infiltrating the machine from the bottom all the way to the White House. Democracy Partners is a private political consulting company with deep ties to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's White House, and the Democratic National Committee. We are the primary mechanism as a team. Democracy Partners is the, the tip of the spear. Wherever Trump and Pence are going to be, we have a bench. Okay. And we have a whole team across the country that does that. Both consultants and people from the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party apparatus and people from the uh, campaign, the Clinton campaign. Um, and uh, you know, my role with the campaign is to manage all that. Bob Creamer is Democracy Partners. He is the husband of Jan Schakowsky, a Democratic congresswoman from Chicago, and in 2005 he pled guilty to tax violations and bank fraud. He was convicted and sentenced to five months in prison and 11 months of house arrest. He founded Democracy Partners in 2011. Just for a little orientation, um, Democracy Partners is kind of a group practice of a variety of consultants that um, do essentially a wide variety of different kinds of political consulting. So I'm basically Deputy Rapid Response Director for the DNC for all things Trump on the ground. So the Chicago protest 
when they shut all that that was us it was more him than me but none of this is supposed to come back to us because we want it coming from people we don't want it to come from the party I mean I know things that like make big impacts I think of like I like I think it was like a woman older older woman who was like attacked at a Trump rally like things like that really show what kind of Hey, Lauren. So we get people behind Trump when he's at a rally, but we make sure it's women and they're and they're and they're positioned next to men. We want images of the men bullying the women who are trying to hold their signs up. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that is what we're going to do. That is the hit. How do you think you're going to do it? They're going to have to show up seven hours ahead of time and wait in line to get there early. So, like, pretend to be Trump supporters so they get sat behind yep. them? Then fold up those signs that we have and put them in their pockets. It doesn't matter what the freaking legal and ethics people say. We're, we need to win this mother... Hillary, like, is aware of all the work that you guys do, I hope. Campaign is fully animals. And then they tell Hillary, like, what's going on. Well, I mean, Hillary knows who Jenny Command. Yeah. I'm not suggesting we wait around. We need to start this right away. Okay. On every one of these problems. Okay. Well, I call this conflict engagement. <laughs> that's that's your that's your version of reenfranchisement. Conflict engagement in in the lines at Trump rallies. We're starting anarchy. This is part three of our undercover investigation into the dark, backroom dealings of the Hillary Clinton campaign. In this story, we'll show an illegal dark money conspiracy between the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, and the non-for-profit corporation, Americans United for Change. And it's all disguised as a duck. It was earlier this year when people in Donald Duck costumes started showing up at Trump events across the country. It turns out the duck was Hillary's idea. Now we start this initiative for the tax returns. Right. So, tomorrow morning at Trump Tower, I hope we can arrange it so it goes down the escalator. We will launch Donald Ducks. A guy in a Donald Duck costume with a sign that says Donald Ducks releasing his tax returns. Trump supporters literally start throwing punches at him. What if I almost got punched on for on Monday morning. I mean, President Duck costume. Fovel didn't get punched, but last week he got fired. Robert Creamer resigned from Clinton campaign activities. It was after Watergate that Congress passed the campaign coordination law. To prove a violation, three prongs are required: payment by someone else other than the candidate for election activity conduct, a campaign being materially involved in shaping communications by third-party groups, and content, running electoral advocacy close to an election. The payment is complicated, but just the fact that Fovel, a paid employee of Americans United for Change, was the duck at some events constitutes payment by AUFC. Conduct, based on their own admission the campaign, Creamer, their agent, and AUFC coordinated the duck activities. And finally, content. Donald Ducks is undeniably political content directed against one candidate for the sole purpose of helping another. 
Your thoughts, gentlemen, listening to that uh, montage from some of the videos that have come out in the last week from uh, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas will be joining us here in just a few moments. I, I didn't even include some of the words about uh, voter fraud. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, what I included is just kind of what's on uh, the top of, of most people's minds with this collusion between or this alleged collusion between the campaign itself and these outside entities. Um, again, what we said on Friday during the base group, uh, these people are who we thought they were. Uh, I, I don't happen to think, though, that this election would be a whole lot, heck of a lot different if we had known this uh, stuff or had this evidence, um, you know, six months ago. But this is uh, it's depressing. That's for sure. So some people who no one had ever heard of before and never will again have been fired. I mean, great, fantastic work, as always, by Project Veritas. But, you know, this is just par for the course. Uh, look at uh, the IRS scandal. You know, the, the, that there should have been impeachments already. The amount of people that, that this should have gone all the way up to people we know about, and it, sh- it should have been hand- walked away in handcuffs, like the, uh, the attorney general in the, uh, the, in the state of uh, Pennsylvania. No, not happening. I mean, it is. It is. We are living in a moment where the consequences are so out of proportion to the malfeasance that that's what makes me angry. Hearing this, no one knows who Robert Creamer is or cares. And and and, and we like to liken the left to locusts. So try saying that five times really fast. We like to do that. I like to liken them to Hydra. Because as soon as you get one of them to get fired or one of them to resign because of something like this, two more pop into their place. By the way, I want to make sure our audience understands. I think at least I want to make sure. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Todd. This isn't about the the work that James is doing. No, I right, said no. God bless no, what no. he but, does. But he's Keep a citizen journalist. He can't issue citizen arrests. Of course, absolutely. So, th- I mean, this goes back to something we've talked about before. We are not a nation of laws. We're a nation of political will. My point is no one will pick up where this brave yes. man is leaving off. Yes. I mean, this is the same. This is the group. This is similar to... The, I mean, what more does the system, what more do the guys who supposedly represent us want than months of stings catching Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. execs openly bargaining to peddle the, uh, and profit off of dead baby parts? Yeah, I was going to say, maybe baby parts and bags. Oh, wait, that didn't work either. What, 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 I mean, so what more, I don't know what more a James O'Keefe could do. And this, and this is where, you know, we cannot want these people to win more than they do. Yeah, I learned that in my years as a Preach. sports talk radio host. You can't you can't want your favorite team to win more than they do. You know, so when I hear when I hear a team say, "Well, you know, we're just not gonna, you know, we're not gonna recruit kids that are committed to other schools because it's unseemly," is it against the rules? No. But then everybody, so but everybody else is gonna recruit against your kids that are committed to you, but you're not gonna go recruit theirs. With all due respect, that's just dumb. You're not violating some ethical standard or some law somewhere. You're just not willing to do what needs to be done to win as everybody else is freely doing. James is doing what it takes to win. But ultimately, there is only so much he can do. Where do the people that have sheriff or district attorney or congressman or senator or governor after their names, where are they picking up on this stuff? Amen. Just as where were they on the Planned Parenthood fight? Where were, where were they on picking up on that stuff? These guys can only do what they have done. Now it's a question of political will. Does the system, especially the people who claim to represent what we believe, do they have the will to do something about this? Is that sort of what you're saying? Exactly. Thank you. James O'Keefe will join us next.
listening to Steve Dace. For Patriots, the Steve Day Show. All right, so you just heard a montage of the latest work done by James O'Keefe and the team at Project Veritas. And James joins us now here on the show. James, first of all, congratulations on another series of muckraking videos that apparently are all frauds, are all made up and falsely edited, but keep getting people fired anyway. Well done, James. I know. I don't know how it's possible, but uh, and also that no one disputes what's in them. That's that's the other thing. Um, it's 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 just deny, 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 deny is the, is the mo of the people that we're dealing with, and they do a very good job of of denying when. So the only solution is to get around them with hidden cameras to expose what really happened and the dark backroom dealings of the Hillary Clinton campaign. Give us sort of a summation now. I know another video I think either came out yesterday or today. So give us a summation on where things stand with this investigation. Well, I'll tell you what. We've released three videos right now, right now, Steve. Um, the video number three, which we released yesterday, is the number one trending video on YouTube.com. And, mm. and the reason this is pretty phenomenal because we have seen, we have seen, um, Nobody wants to talk about these videos in the media. They, they, they've had to. George Stephanopoulos has. It's been brought up in the presidential debates. Hillary Clinton was asked about it. Josh Ernest at the White House was asked about it. Hillary has never denied her involvement in these things. And the reason she hasn't denied it, as we learned yesterday, is because the video shows Bob Kramer, who's no low-level guy. This is a big-time beating heart of the institutional left, on tape saying it was all Hillary's idea. This is beautiful, beautiful. Because they denied it, they said, oh, we, this has nothing to do with us. And now there's some illegal campaign coordination because Hillary's working with nonprofit organizations. So where the things stand is we've released three videos, the first on the violence, inducing violence at protests, the second on the voter fraud in the Midwest, where Scott Fogel says, I could F my mother and get away with it, I could break the law, I've been busting people around for 50 years, he's been fired. And the third which is that Hillary Clinton's personal involvement in making people dress up like Donald Duck in costumes to elicit violent responses, getting punched in the face. This is extraordinary, and to be honest with you, Steve, it's starting to make, some people are saying it's starting to make Watergate look like a petty shoplifting. So, James, let me bring you up today in the conversation we had amongst ourselves here on the show after we played the montage of your videos, and I want to get your take on this. Sure. Uh, you know, we went through, you've done these sorts of exposés before. We had the team that unearthed the Planned Parenthood videos last year. But but one of the things I'm fond of pointing out is that we are not a nation of laws. We should be, but we are not. No. We are no, a nation no, of political will. That's what we are. Okay? And so you are a citizen journalist. You can't make citizens arrests and things of that nature. Uh, so so where is the, the, the political will response from the so-called opposition? In in in, res, in in response to what you have uncovered, where are the governors, where are the congressmen, the senators, the sheriffs? Where, where is the political will to respond to what you have catching, what you're catching them doing on tape with their own hands and their own words? Steve, that's a beautiful quote. We are not a nation of laws. We are a nation of political will. That is the most poignant thing I've heard all day. I I, I, I mean I mean that I I am. I, let, me, let me transcend this and, and, and speak at a 30,000-foot level, okay? Mm-hmm. We're a banana republic, okay? Here's why. I, I have the evidence to show you. 
last week when I broke this story, I went to friendly media organizations. Not 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 just Fox. I there's some other ones. I'm not going to give you their names. Um, but if I did, you'd be shocked. And I went to them with these videos and hey guys, I got a big story. It's huge. And they said, this is interesting. This is exciting. They reached out to those people for comment. They reached out to Creamer. Now, Creamer's lawyers and other lawyers threatened them. I believe the White House threatened them. I believe they were afraid. They were spooked. They spiked the story at the last minute. And you know, one of the why the reason they spiked the story, because these media corporations, we're talking about chairmen, shareholders that have a, that have a stake in the businesses, were afraid of retaliation by a future Clinton Department of Justice. They were afraid to have their FCC licenses revoked if they were to report facts about this potential administration. We are living in a brave new world where now our government and our attorneys general and our, and our uh, administrative agencies are using their power to punish journalists for reporting facts. I know that this does not surprise you, and you're probably all, you know, just rolling your eyes. We know this, O'Keefe. We know it. Listen, I know you're saying you know it, but I can prove it. I, I lived it the last seven days of my life. I had to go to YouTube. I had to go to Facebook. I had to go to Twitter. Twitter banned me. I saw that. <laughs> Twitter banned, and I got reinstated. We are living in a brave new world. There's nowhere else for me to go. If Twitter removes me, where do I go? So I, I, to answer your question, are we a nation of laws, we're so far beyond that. Our attorneys general spend all of their time raising money and going after people they do not like. If you're pro-life, they'll go after you. And, and it's disgusting. But the good news is, because what I just said was pretty bad, the good news is I'm winning, okay? We, I mean, we are winning. It's not about me. My team and you are winning. And you're winning because we're the number one trending video on YouTube. We were mentioned in the presidential debates. We're trending on Facebook, trending on Twitter. And there's a groundswell of citizenry who have nowhere else to go, so they're going to each other. And that's the good news, but no, we're not, we're, we're not a nation of laws, and we'll probably never again be a nation of laws. St. James, final question. Where does this go now between now and Election Day? Are there more videos in the hopper? No, there's literally a video tomorrow. I mean, we're, 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 um, as soon as I got the phone with you, I'm going back in the production room. I saw Brad Woodhouse was on Fox and Friends attacking me, calling me a liar. He's the president of the non-profit organization that coordinated with the Hillary campaign. We have more coming. We have international money angle on this story that's going to come out tomorrow. Um, they were complicit on that, too. So we're going to be breaking that video tomorrow. And thank you, Steve, for having me on. To, to uh, And thank you, audience, for sharing the video. Keep it coming, and uh, we will definitely keep sharing it with our audience as well, James. Really appreciate the work you're doing, man. God bless you. God bless you, too. All right, take care. So, you guys, some thoughts on what you just heard. You heard the frustration in James's voice going to so-called friendly media. They didn't want to go there. They didn't want to talk about it. Again, th this, is, this is people on video. This is, this is not made up. You know, this is not, let's go get some hackneyed, you know, surrogate to make some wild claims. This, is a C this isn't CGI either. There yes. are no tricks in editing. It's this, just... he, this is these people on video. Your, your reaction to, to James's frustration? It's a credit that he to him that he keeps doing it despite yeah. that frustration. When His story about uh, taking it uh, to the media outlets and having it spike, this is like in... In uh, Braveheart, where uh, Robert the Bruce uh, is a traitor to to the cause after promising uh, William Wallace. I mean, the, the, the lies, the, the fake journalism, uh, the, the 
I'm at a loss. I, I, it makes me so mad. And 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 I again, it, it, if nothing else is said, continue to honor James by uh, following him, donate to him. I mean, this is one we are so lacking in real men who will uh, put their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor on the line. He is a modern version of a true founding father and an American patriot. Uh, did uh, I mean I I would just repeat everything that uh, that you just said, and again, uh, this says a lot about us as a people. Uh, yes, it makes us mad. Yes, it makes us um, even hopping mad or, or um, just furious sometimes. And yet this is still tolerated, and it will be tolerated until we don't tolerate it anymore. That is well said. A new segment will debut. You're going to have fun with it, because we are next. Listening to Steve Dace. Never attack when you're not willing to kill. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So it's time to debut a new segment here on the program. It's called Buy, Sell, and Hold. Our producer, Aaron, is going to give us each week a series of provocative statements. And then, Todd, you and I will decide if we will buy, sell, and hold, or hold, and why. What, what the reasoning behind it is. And Aaron is invited, therefore, to tell us whether he agrees or disagrees. All right? So, Aaron, number one. Carly Fiorina will be the next RNC chair, and Ryan's Priebus will end up running for Wisconsin Attorney General? Wow, that's a good one. Um, sell. So, I, I would like to believe that would happen. But 2016 has taught us it can always get worse. It would make so much sense for Carly Fiorina to be the RNC I, I chairwoman with a woman. I think she'd be a dramatic upgrade. Yeah. I just, I, my, my issue with this, Todd, is I have a hard time believing that we could suddenly be fortunate enough to, be rid, our, to, be, huh. to, to, to rid ourselves of rents, to wash, rinse, and not repeat, uh, to, to say enough of the dishonest, this, 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 this dishonest little dweeb. And he got the message after losing not one, but two winnable presidential elections. And, um, you know, girl, don't go away mad, just go away. And he and off he went away. But um, my gut is telling me I don't think we're going to be that fortunate. I, I, in fact, I think the chances that we are going to come out of the January RNC meeting with him as the party chairman are extraordinarily high. You know what? I will actually buy, not because I'm optimistic but there is a 
long trail of logic that would, would she was better naturally than anybody else from the very beginning of establishing the premise uh, of what is wrong uh, with Hillary Clinton in a, in a way that didn't sound, I mean, as as bad as she is, the, the way uh, many of the candidates argued about how bad she is uh, clearly wasn't all that uh, compelling. Uh, she, she was, and considering what Donald Trump has done to the party's relationship with women, starting off with repairing that uh, with her makes a ton of of sense in terms of just pure damage control. So I will cautiously buy. I'm going to buy as well um, for some of the same reasons that Todd mentioned. And I just have to believe that it couldn't get worse. Wait, yes, it is. No, I'm selling. Uh, Question two. (laughs) Donald Trump Jr. will not run for president, but Ivanka will. Sell. Yeah, I, she's I, basically running for president now, though. Yeah, right? I, I, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't see the fire in the belly there to put up with the scrutiny. I don't. Uh, I, I see a young woman that is uncomfortable with a lot of this, actually, um, and is much more comfortable uh, in the in the previous role she had as socialite. That doesn't mean I, I, I don't consider herself to be smart. Or I'm, I'm saying she's some airy. Heiress. That's. That, I'm not saying she's. Uh, you know, Paris Hilton. That's not what I mean. I, I just. I, I see her uh, as someone who has some very strong opinions, but is not an, a political animal that is in, that is interested in this level of combat. But rather, if my hey, if somebody around me like my dad's going to do it, I can whisper sweet nothings in his ear and have some influence, but adopt, but dodge the shrapnel of being the actual candidate. That I see. I actually think the son that you mentioned. Uh, the speech they gave at the convention, I, that was somebody that I saw uh, has, 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 has gotten the taste of blood and kind of likes it uh, and would be interested maybe in acquiring more. So I, I think it, I, I would sell on her, buy on him. Yeah, I would absolutely uh, sell on Ivanka as well. You, you've been hearing uh, a lot of the Repu- Democrat women owning the term uh, nasty since her father, Ivanka's father, uttered it. Well, that that's honest because they are the lead, the, the leadership, male or female, but those women who are owning that word are nasty. They just flat out are. And how they work. Uh, they don't Miss, ma- miss Janet if you're nasty. Yeah, they don't mess around. And I don't, Ivanka may be a lot of things. I, I don't get the sense that that's her. I mean, she she may be elitist, but I, I think she just wants to go live uber comfortably and not be bothered by the trifles of the underclass. All right, quickly, last political one. Paul Ryan will be the House Minority Leader this time in January. Sell. I, I, don't, I don't think they can beat the, dis, the the map draw, but I think they will lose seats, but I don't think they can. the Democrats can beat the map. Sell for the same reasons. All right, we'll come back. More buy, sell, or hold in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. Hoisting them by their own petards, the Steve Day Show. Let's play some more buy, sell, and hold. 
So, Aaron, you've got some more provocative statements. Yes. You want to see whether we think these could actually happen or not. Just a recap. So far, you've thrown at us. Reince Priebus steps away from being the RNC chairman after this mm-hmm. election, and Carly Fiorina takes over. I would like that to be true. I just don't think we can be that fortunate. So I said sell. Todd, you said buy, correct? Correct. Uh, the question you just asked before the break, Paul Ryan will be the minority leader in the House in January. We both said sell. We think the election will be bad, but we don't think the Democrats can beat the uh, the district map. And then the uh, the third question was Trump Jr. or Ivanka, mm-hmm. that Ivanka will be the political candidate in the future and not Trump Jr. We both said sell, that we actually thought that uh, actually Jr. seemed to get... Uh, seems to have a taste for it, much more so for the pugilistic aspect of this, much more so than Ivanka does. All right, next one, uh, Star Wars Rogue One will have the biggest opening weekend of any movie in the last 18 months. Sell. Four cells. Yeah, I, 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 think it'll, I don't think it'll be as big as The Force Awakens had. I don't think it'll be as big as what Batman versus Superman had. I think it'll be big. Um, no question about it. I think it's, it's likely going to be a 300 million domestic film. But um, this is also a film that has been uh, racked with a lot of negative stories for months now, massive reshoots, problems with the script, things of that nature. Um, and and it, it, it doesn't it's a fill in the, it's a filler it's a filler movie. It's, it's what I mean they're calling these movies, what are they calling them? Um, not standalones. I mean, there's the saga movies, and then there's something, some other term they have. Extended universe uh, anthology. Anthologies. Yeah. Okay, so this is an anthology movie versus the saga movie. You understand, you know, we to find out what happened to these characters that we beloved in the future, there's a lot more interest in that than let's make another movie with the death, about the Death Star. I mean, how, how many more times could there be some Death Star or derivative of it you know, in a Star Wars movie, we've, we've, you know, so it's Star Wars. It's going to be huge, but I don't think it'll be the biggest opening of the last 18 months. I think I will sell as well. Can I add one thing to that real quick? I think they could have done it if they would have marketed Darth Vader more aggressively, but they did not. They've been very actually standoffish about, cause he is in the film. This is an era where he is not Anakin. He's Darth Vader. They, so they, they, they have talked about him. But he's only been briefly in some of the trailers. I think if they would have more aggressively addressed the fact that we're going to see Darth Vader again as Darth Vader, I think that would have helped. And so my inclination is the reason they didn't, because these people are smart. They know that. They know the, they, they know the biggest draw, the biggest movie villain draw of all time. If it's not Count Dracula, it's, it's Darth Vader. So why didn't they, why wasn't he part, you know, front and center with their marketing? It probably leads me to believe, Todd, he's not really that big a part of the movie. And that's exactly why I said I was going to sell. They, ha- they haven't aggressively done anything right in the four movies that have come out since the original uh, trilogy. Uh, they've made mistakes at opposite ends of the spectrum, but that's the thing. They ha- it's like they don't. No one knows what they've got, which is amazing because you should know exactly what you've got with Star Wars. To the point that yes, that you aren't making uh, what there's just an image with Darth Vader like walking through mist and his lightsaber mm-hmm. coming on. I mean, I I know that fanboys loved Boba Fett, even though he just basically looked cool and was hardly in the movies. But they see they keep seeming to go with that as if it's enough, and it it it's just. Not the story that was the best, almost the best story ever told in the history of cinema. It, it, it's just been lacking four times in a row. Hmm. 
I'll say this. I like The Force Awakens more. Every I've seen it four times. Every time I've seen it, I liked it more. The first time I saw it, probably my expectations were too high. I had a lot of it. I still have some of the. I still think some of the same reservations that you and I talked about the first time we saw it last December are still there. Um, but the more I see the movie, the more that I like it. Next statement: Megyn Kelly will star primetime on Trump TV. Oh come on! You got to give us harder ones than that. That's the easiest sell of all time. Sell? Yeah. Holy cow! Megyn Kelly's never going on Trump TV. Never really? in a million years. She hates Donald Trump. Never in a million years. Now, I thought when you said Megyn Kelly, what you were going to say to me is, Megyn Kelly will be prime time opposite Bill O'Reilly on CNN. Bye. I think that'll happen. Yeah, I do. I think that'll happen. But um, uh, I think they, they will pay top dollar to bring her over. But Trump TV, no chance. No chance. I, I, I could see Greta on there because she doesn't have a gig now. I could see Hannity leave and go on there. Um, uh, I think you'll see Laura Ingram over there for sure. But Megyn Kelly, snowball's chance in you know where, Todd. I can't add to that. So it's in, in so hard and fast, unless my read of Megyn Kelly is way off. She This isn't something she needs to do. Other people, career-wise, may ultimately need to do this. She is somebody who can leverage many uh, companies against one. She can pretty much call her shot. And anybody who can call their shot does not end up on Trump TV. All right, I've got four more here. Let's uh, go lightning. Uh, The concept of cable or satellite television will be foreign in 10 years. Hold. I think it's possible. Um, That may be a little soon. I think think cable TV is in a lot of trouble, uh, just because... You're literally laying cable. Um, I, I think satellite TV has more flexibility options with the evolutions of technology because it's, it is a purely di- digital construct and delivery system. But you look more and more like I, I started thinking to myself today, you know, I pay huge dollars, at least from our budget standpoint, to get the NFL Sunday ticket every year on my direct TV. How much? How much? What's it cost if I just I, bought if I just bought the app? I, I I just cut Directv and I got Sling and it's like half as much. And Is I get it really? More, I get more channels. I get the I don't get Sunday Ticket, but I get Red Zone and all that stuff. It's it's a much better deal. Because yeah, and that's as a Lions fan, frankly, I spend most of my time watching the Red Zone channel on NFL Sunday Ticket than the actual Lions game anyway. All right, so I, that's something I've begun to think about, which is especially because a lot of these apps, you know, the Roku's, the Slings, et cetera, these various, you know, um, sorts of ad hoc, you know, network app, app networks that have sprouted up the last few years, gentlemen, are in HD in a lot of cases. So if I'm already going to get that stuff in HD, then, you know, kind of what's the point, right? I, so I, I think we're moving that way. I just think maybe 10 years, Todd, might be a little soon. Yeah, but that's why you you buy. You get on on this thing earlier, and then you pay for your kid's college education. (laughs) More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. How conservatives can win again. The Steve Day Show. All right, let's do a couple more to finish out. Buy, sell, hold. Aaron, fire away. 
All right, I'm going to give you my two best that I have remaining. The Oakland Raiders will not move to Las Vegas. Uh, sell. I think the NFL is actually greasing the skids for this to happen, to put a team there, something they have balked at for a long time, having a team in Vegas, because obviously the betting and stuff that goes on there. But uh, I think they will end up becoming the Las Vegas Raiders. I do. I think the, the way the state legislature there has moved, I think the NFL is now is, is at least giving it a wink and a nod. I don't think this is uh, Al Davis's kid just kind of flying off on a tangent like his old man was prone to do when he moved the team. I, I think this actually might be for real, Todd. Oh, absolutely, Sal. Look at all the ways. I mean, we have the bathroom controversies. The moral line is is gone in almost all areas. Are we really going to be worried about the the reasons we used to have for not having a pro franchise in Las Vegas? I mean, that's insane. It it makes perfect sense based, on, and I have no particular problem with it. But it makes perfect sense based on the direction the entire culture is going. That we set aside our old reasons for not having one there. I agree with uh, all of your analysis. I still can't believe it's happening. I mean, we always thought of, or at least I always thought of Las Vegas as kind of a transient city, but I don't know if this is still true, but they, uh, for a while, they were the uh, number one fastest growing city in the United States. So, uh, last one. All four teams in the college football playoff will have at least one loss on their record. I'm going to say bye because I think the odds of that being true are higher than the odds of. Um, somebody getting through the season completely undefeated. I mean, you still have Michigan, still have pl- plays the, the toughest three games on its schedule on the road. Ohio State's already lost. Alabama now has to play at LSU. That's a different LSU team than they were a month ago. At They play Auburn at the end of the year. I mean, who was more impressive on Saturday than Auburn was? 56-3 to SEC record rushing yards against Arkansas, who was a nationally ranked opponent. Uh, and then they still have the SEC championship game where they're likely going to play Tennessee again or maybe Florida, who they played last year, and they played them in a pretty tough game. Um, you know, you look at Washington. They're at Utah this weekend. You know, they've got, a, they've got to go to Washington State at the end of the year, their in-state rival, who's also playing very good football right now and is in first place in, uh, that, in that same division in the Pac-12. So Clemson's at Florida State this weekend. I think they're going to lose that game. So I think the odds are, you know, right now, this time, this time the last two years, you know how I many undefeated teams we had? 18. You know how many we have this year? 12. So that tells me where the trend line for this season is. Okay, so given that, Todd, I'm going to play the odds and say it's more likely than not that everybody will have a loss than somebody will be then somebody will be undefeated. So based on the way you phrased the question, you, you bought, right, Steve? Yes. That, yeah, I'm, I'm selling. I, I, I can see just about every other team except Alabama. I, I think this team is just a cut above. I agree they are. I think this is the most explosive team he has had, which is saying something. But it's still a team with a freshman quarterback. And there's a day that usually comes where that guy wakes up one day and he says, crap, I'm a freshman, and then it's crap, we lost. Okay? But that's all I'm banking on. You're listening to Steve Dace. to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign. 
seen in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 3 here at the Steve Dace Show on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Don't forget, we'd love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, what does liberty really mean? We'll talk about that, but first it's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It's that time of night when our producer Aaron gets to set the agenda, ask the questions around here for a change. He can ask us any three things about any three things. Nothing is off limits. All he has to do is answer the same questions that he asks of us, and then he may fire when ready. Thank you, Steve. And I want to remind our listeners, if you have a suggestion for a three questions question, you can email that to me, Aaron at SteveDace.com, A-A-R-O-N at SteveDace.com. Question one, who is your favorite founding father and why? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson would be in a tie for different reasons. I think that... Patrick Henry is one of the closest approximations to my understanding of the civic engagement of a biblical worldview. But I really just dig Thomas Jefferson's matter-of-factness. I'm just, uh, you know, um, and the way he carried himself politically... So in terms of my personality, I probably identify with the way that he actually conducted himself politically. I'm probably more in line with him. I think he gets smarter the older I get. But in, So in terms of ideology, it would be Patrick Henry. But in terms of uh, political application, um, it would probably be Thomas Jefferson. Uh, as hard as I try to think originally about this and maybe go into some interesting undiscovered corner i've just got to go with george washington you know the the ego uh and the intelligence and the confidence of all of these founding fathers is remarkable yet when it came to george washington no matter what side they were on you know it was like dude there's george washington man i mean he he was you know you're right and this is why i thought about it because i was actually going to give this answer but then i thought is that kind of the easy answer you know, who's the best? Oh, Babe Ruth. I mean, because, but sometimes the easiest is the easiest for a reason. So I chose to personalize it for me instead. But if the, if the, he asked, since he asked me the favorite, if he asked me who is our greatest founding father, to me, this is the right answer. And you know, it's, it's the same, same take I have, Todd, on who's the best president we ever had, George Washington. Why? Because if he sucks, we don't have a second one. It's pretty simple. But since he asked me favorite, I, I decided to make it selfish. Understood. I would have to say it would be Patrick Henry for me as well, um, I, I, especially for the time that we live in in the United States. We need his boldness. We need his uh, th- that type of courage again. 
and I'm thinking particularly of the church right here, so probably Patrick Henry for me. Uh, Question two, what is the relationship between our rights and our duties? Is Is there a relationship there? Yes, uh, there is a relationship there. Um, I think that we have a duty to exercise our rights in a way that doesn't impose on somebody else's. And I think this is how you maintain a free, pluralistic society. There will be ebbs and flows in a culture. There are some things that are so immoral they cannot be tolerated. Right To have government look the other way at these things is a besmirching of the character of a nation. It is, it is government not doing the job it was called to do. And then there are matters of private immorality that besmirch the character of the individual who does it or the individuals they're doing it with. But doesn't necessarily, unless it's advocated by the state and imposed by the state, necessarily speak to the character of the nation as a whole. And, and I think this is, where the, the, uh, this is where a lot of these arguments are in our culture today, is which is which, okay? And I wouldn't go so far as Thomas Jefferson said, which is, as long as this has no bearing on my pocketbook, what business, business is it of mine? And I, that's where him and I would part ways, and I'd be more in line with the Patrick Henry. That's a, that's a purely materialistic worldview. Because, really, if... if If two lesbians want to get married, it has no impact on my pocketbook at all until they tell me I can't do my job as a broadcaster. I can't do my job as a public servant. I can't, you see what I'm saying? I can't be registered or licensed as a physician or a psychologist if I don't affirm them. Now you are hitting me, I guess, in the pocketbook, obviously, right? So it's a little bit more complicated than that. But to me, I think it it comes down to we have a a duty to exercise our God-given rights in a way that doesn't impose on somebody else's. And that is, that is probably, Todd, the only way to maintain freedom in a pluralistic society. I would say we have a duty to defend our rights if those rights are properly conceived and understood. Uh, many people these days will talk about, well, yeah, I believe this thing is right, but that person believes differently. So, you know, we got to hold the conversation at Starbucks over coffee or something like this. No, if you truly believe something is a right, and you've thought like, well, where do rights come from? They either come from God or you've made them up. Then when they are being put up for grabs, you don't just sit by and wait for somebody to do something. It is incumbent about you as somebody taking in oxygen on this earth to defend the gifts you've been given Mm -hmm. for your life and for your posterity. Yeah, that is is well said, Todd. And I I agree in this conversation um, about rights and where they come from, what they are. I, I think our sole duty is to make sure we don't infringe upon other people's rights and that we bring justice to those who do. Uh, question three. When you see a football game like we saw on Sunday night, did you guys watch that? Seahawks, I saw the bear, I saw I saw the missed field or the blocked field goal and the missed field goal or the two missed field goals actually. In a at the end. Six yeah. six tie, seventy five minutes of football. What's your reaction to that? Is that sloppy football? Is that boring? Is that a great defensive struggle? What what is your reaction when you see a game end like that? I, I think it depends on who the teams are. You know, I mean, these are the old as the late great Pete Axtham used to call it, the Bay of Pigs games. 
back in the day between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay, Buc- Green Bay Packers, and they were both terrible simultaneously. And they're playing 6-6, six to six, right? You know, and it's Steve DeBerg at quarterback versus Blair Keel for the Packers, okay? That's that's Blair Keel? <laughs> that's U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, hey, hey, you ugly, right? But it's like the Alabama-LSU game for the uh, when they played one versus two uh, back in 2011. Those are two teams with elite-level talent that just can't get an advantage over the other one. These are these two teams, I think, have won the last seven division titles in their division. I think you're all right. Is that right? Uh, like San that? Francisco won one year. Or, or, or San Francisco was in there, too, yeah. right? So, the, so the, But they've been two of the best teams yep. in the entire NFC for the last several years. Yep. So to me, that's just two elite teams that know each other. They know every trick. They, they've largely been the same rosters for the last three years with a few tweaks here and there. And just no one can get one up on the other. Now, if this were a game between you know the Carolina Panthers, who are 1-5, without Cam Newton at quarterback versus you know the Cleveland Browns who have played six different quarterbacks this year and at six to six. That's a that I might have a different opinion of that six to six game, Todd. Your premise is exactly right, and therefore I will say that I would much rather watch that game than the college football game this weekend where what was it? Steve Texas Tech where some quarterback put up record setting gaudy numbers. Who was that in this Oh, you're talking about Pat Mahomes uh, what? had over 700 yeah. yards of total offense, and his team still lost. Yeah, well, who? What team was that against was Oklahoma? It was, it was Texas Tech? Yeah, it was Oklahoma. Texas Tech. Yeah, that, the, the 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 paucity of defense in college football is criminal. Uh, and I, I would, says the Wisconsin fan who watches his team win 14 to 10 every week. <laughs> Because uh, they have a really good defense, right? I hear you. I hear you. But if they were to, they were running a run and shoot offense, winning fifty two to thirty eight, something tells me you'd kind of no, be like, you know, see, that's I kind of like I'm, that uh, wide open football. And you know me well enough by now. No, I, the, I, 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 people used to rip on the uh, the Badgers. I, the, the, Roy Williams, the now North Carolina when he was at Kansas, and Roy Williams, uh, Dick Bennett went to the Final Four, and the only team he couldn't beat is the team that did, did played the defense the same way as he did, but with better talent. That was Michigan State. He was, well, we don't want that kind of basketball. What were the losing kind? You know, do it the right way. College football, when it's seventy-seven to sixty, is bad football. For the most part, I probably would agree with that. You're listening to Steve Dace. Liberty's Bat Signal, the Steve Day Show. For something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. You see, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. And this is the Nightly Buzz, where we go over the news we didn't have time to get to earlier in the show tonight. Because not even in a three-hour program can we cover everything worthy of covering. So our producer Aaron reports back after looking over your shoulder at your social media accounts and and just kind of being that creepy lingering guy at the water cooler pretending not to listen in, but you know that he is. And he reports back with the buzz. He's got those headlines. We've got the hot takes. Creepy lingering guy is my middle name. Uh, story That'd be one. a great name for a band that's right up there with Backdoor Cover. There was another one we had. Special Forces spe- Tranny. Special Forces Tranny, Creepy Lingering Guy. Those are my three new favorite garage band names. Yes. 
Ditto, first story, there are fresh revelations from this morning after WikiLeaks released a new batch of Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta's hacked emails. An email from 2015 shows Hillary Clinton's top aide and lawyer Cheryl Mills writing to Podesta, quote, we need to clean this up. That was an apparent reference to communications between President Obama and Hillary Clinton, which she had used her private email server. Went on to say, quote, he has emails from her. They do not say state.gov. The email from March 7th, 2015 was sent after news broke that Clinton had used a private email server while she was secretary of state. Obama said in multiple interviews that he didn't know Clinton was using a private email server and learned about it from news reports. What a clown show. What a freaking clown show. It is, and... It will appear that, Todd, that on November the 8th, they're going to get away with this. But I still maintain, once Donald Trump is out of the picture, you're going to see, and she can no longer hide, she has to be the President of the United States. That is when, you'll, that's when you will start to see, like, like Chinese water torture, a thousand drips at a time. That is when you will see her negatives come to the surface. And, and, I, and I believe we will sit here a year from now, and I've said this for months, a year from now we're going to be talking about how she is the least liked and least popular first-year president in the history of polling. I, I hope you're right, but I have so little confidence in anyone to bring that to bear. The press isn't going to do it. The Republicans aren't going to do it. We are just so broken. We... This won't matter. Be, uh, Mitt Romney, 40, the 47% thing he said. L- look at how that was used to kneecap him. And as you discussed at the time, uh, it, it's a terrible soundbite, but it, it, it's actually factually true. It's within a margin, worded, but it's one of the most discern, discerning things that he ever actually... All he pointed out is there's a certain exactly. segment of the populace that no matter what we say to them won't vote for us because government has grown so big, they rely on it for their sustenance. So even if they agreed with us on the issues, they don't have the financial incentive to, to, to vote with us accordingly right. anyway. And that kneecaps in, and, and the press is all on board with that. But here, the wingmen of the president of the United States states after the president said i just learned about this on the news are saying you got to do something about this cover it up it will be crickets it will not matter i her negatives have not killed the ability to for her to win this presidency i i I don't know. How are yes, they going? they did. I would maintain that well, they no, did. Of course. Without, without the, Donald Trump, it would have. But here we are. How? What are they going to do once she is actually president to, to get in the way of what she hopes to do when there's no person? It takes a person or an entity to stand in the way. Eventually, yes. Eventually, someone will have to stand in the way and be offered as an, as an alternative. But for the time being, I think it's actually best that there's not one. The Republican Party brand is shot. They don't really have a capable prosecutor right now. It is best from a political standpoint, in my view, just to have her out there in the flailing open, in the wind, flailing and yeah. taking these shots. And then when she is essentially mortally wounded, that is then when you present the option so that when they then begin the same game plan they're, they're going to use, no matter who we would nominate, and all the same name calling, she is now so damaged that it's, it, it, it's neither here nor there. Agreed. Uh, next story. According to a just-released survey by the Brookings Institution, fewer than half, or 43% of the public say they have a great deal of confidence that their vote will be accounted accurately. 
Roughly four in ten Americans report having only some confidence, while close to one in five say they have hardly any confidence their vote will be accurately counted. Democrats are more likely than Republicans and independents to report a high degree of confidence in the voting system. There's a stark difference among likely voters, with 70% of Clinton supporters, but only 41% of Trump supporters reporting a great deal of confidence in their vote, that their votes will be counted accurately. <laughs> yeah, of course 71 have confidence. Yeah, what, They're the ones running the scam. Yeah, what, I mean, see uh, my last you know what, answer if, here. If we would have taken this poll after the Florida recount, what do you think the numbers would have been? think they might have been reversed? I mean, they were out there claiming that Bush was selected, not elected. The thing was stolen. I, I think a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. I think a lot of this is sports-driven. My team got robbed by the refs because we lost. By the way, I say that acknowledging that voter fraud is a problem because we just spent time last hour talking to James O'Keefe about it. All right, but, you know, um, I don't understand what the incentive is to say to people, your vote's not going to count because the whole thing's rigged. I don't get that messaging. I don't understand that as a get-out-the-vote effort. He it, has it, a very it, good brain, it, Steve. It, 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 that seems to be counterintuitive. You know, I, I, to me, I think you could turn the, a rigged message to your advantage, which is they're trying to rig the system. We're going to show them on Election Day. You guys, people, they don't poll. They don't call. You ever been called for a poll, Todd, Aaron? You ever been called? No. We're going to have all the people that they've never called for these polls all come out and send them a message on Election Day. I could see that. But but when you're flat out telling people the outcome, Todd, is rigged, I, I, that is an odd get-out-the-vote strategy to me. That, I agree. We're talking about uh, two d- separate things, I think. You do not want to be the person running for office and constantly whining about that. You just sound like a victim. You set that aside and just take objectively the fact. I mean, there's a reason you believe why uh, you talk about the margin of cheating. Yes. The, the, I mean, the, the, these elections increasingly, and it's only going to get worse, are, are a scam yes, in terms gonna, of— You're going to know about 8 o'clock— Voter ID is the most common sense thing in the world. You're going to know about 8 o'clock Eastern how the election's going. Here's how you're going to know. Did they need a federal judge in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida to keep whatever county that Philadelphia is in open until 1 a.m., to keep Hamilton and Cuyahoga counties in Ohio open, to keep Broward and Miami-Dade counties open in Florida? You see where, you see where I'm going with oh, this? I know where you're, you're gonna, going. Yeah, so you'll know. If at if it, like at 8 o'clock we're getting you know, breaking news, Democrats rushing to federal court, waking a federal judge out of a drunken stupor in the dead of night to get him to issue some sort of uh, injunction to keep the polls open past their closing, if they're doing that, that means this thing's close. If not, means we can just let the thing play itself out. We got this. I love how you automatically assumed a federal judge would be in a drunken stupor late in the night on election Well, night. I'm trying to give them an excuse <laughs> for many of their um, inexcusable rulings. Uh, that's good. Quickly, uh, the tallest church in the world is under attack, and the aggressor is human urine. <laughs> a magnificent 162-meter-tall uh, steeple of Ulm Minster dominates the German city of Ulm, but officials responsible for its upkeep, uh, upkeep uh, say the stone base of the Gothic Tower has long acted as a lightning rod to late-night revelers who pee on it, and it's uh, weakened the stone. Can't have nice things, Steve. No, I, I, I'm just going to let that stand. You're listening to Steve Dace.
You cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. It's called The Liberty Book, and the author, John Bona, joins us now, and we want to welcome him to the show tonight. John, how are you? Good, Steve. Thank you. So, John, let's first of all, we are we are living in a time where we have learned throughout the course of the uh, this election cycle that hopefully will soon end uh, that uh, that all terms that we had previously taken for granted must be clarified and defined at all times. So let's start with that word liberty. What does liberty mean? Well, you know, I just to put it in my layman's terms, I define it as really the right to do all the good we can under God's law without being forced to do anything wrong. So that's how I define it. So the freedom to do what our creator who grants us our rights um, called us to do and be who we called us to be, to maximize that potential with limited interference from government and limited to when we think our potential gives us the right to impose on somebody else's God-given potential. Is that what I hear you saying? I think so, and that was a lot more sophisticated than I would say it, but I, I think you're right. And, you know, I always use the example of the apostles uh, Peter and John when the authorities told them not to preach in the name of Christ. And I love their answer, and they said, well, you know, in God's sight, we're in God's sight here, what should we do? Should we listen to you or God? And, of course, they continued preaching. So they just answered it very straightforward. In other words, there is a higher law, right? Exactly. And this is, what, and, and this is why we have jurists uh, swear an oath to God before sitting in a, uh, in, uh, in a jury box. This is why we have our elected off officials do the exact same thing as a reminder that there is a law higher than uh, our own opinions, man's law, even higher than government itself. Well, exactly. And, you know, what What should be, I guess that begs the question, what should be our response to those in office? You mentioned government, a government office who pa- practice injustice. Well, aren't we as citizens required to uphold the law, right, that governs us? And we see this throughout history. You know, those in office at all levels of government exercising powers that are not really lawfully theirs. And uh, they take away freedom bit by bit from the people. And, you know, the people kind of acquiesce to these tiny infractions. We don't pay a lot of attention to them. But before you know it, you know, a lot of liberty is lost, and it's very costly. So that's one of the things that we're asserting in the Liberty Book, that our freedom, our liberty, is really derived from God at its foundation, uh, Christ, Christ has set us free, and that it's only through him that really true liberty is achievable. It doesn't come from the government. And if you think about it, in the final analysis, could be taken away by the government, because only Christ sets us free. Now, some will listen to you say that and say, so is liberty only for Christians? I would respond to that with, God makes the rainfall on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, that while we were sinners, uh, Christ died for us. And love knows no greater man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Um, and, and so the, the point of that being that because we are all made in God's image, 
God wants the pagan kids to have good families too. God wants uh, the unbelievers who have he's given potential to be rewarded, to have the worker worth his hire for those wages too, because he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. This is what we would have called in our founders era, we would have called this common grace or natural law. What's your reaction to that, John? Well, you're right. I think that's a good point. I mean, freedom is, uh, or slavery applies to everybody. And you have to consider that in those terms. Uh, I think most people think that, some of the people, I say most, think liberty is a gift from civil government and can be controlled by that authority. Now, that affects everybody, just about. And many civil government officials and representatives that we elect or they're appointed, they're happy to do, agree with this, treating our, our liberty as loose. And um, so to think that liberty comes from the government and can be eliminated by their authority, that affects everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, right? You'll be affected. And so the very people that do this, when they're appointed to protect our freedom, and there's a lot of good ones out there, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot that aren't. And they so they violate our trust. And um, I would say this, you know, I have friends that work in government at different levels, but if you hold an office and you no longer serve the people, that's usually what you have to do when you take a government office. But if you start, you know, tricking people and conniving them and lying to them, then you contend with Scripture and our founding document. Stay right there. John Bonna is here with us, author of the new book, The Liberty Book. We'll continue talking with John here in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. For critical thinkers only, The Steve Day Show. John Bonna is here with us. He's got a new book out called The Liberty Book. All right, there's, let me see, one, two, three, four main pillars of your book, and I want to spend a few minutes giving you a chance to address them with our audience, uh, John, so we can understand what liberty really means. Um, That is, let's start with electing people to public office. Why is that one of the pillars mentioned, one of the pillars of liberty in your book? You know, that's a a great question. I I would say this, uh, you know, and just to give you, let me give you a little background. My grandkids, I remember when the first uh, Transformers came out, uh, the first one I think was called Megatron. It was this fictional Transformer monster. My grandkids would play with the toys. And it made me actually think of socialism because it functioned the same way through deception. This Megatron Transformer acted like socialism in the real, because he was the dark emperor of destruction, and he, he, he played this role of deception. And that's how socialism works. It's never been successful, and it always leads the people to poverty and enslavement. So when we come to voting, we have to remember, does the candidate that we vote for follow God's pattern? You know, is he pro-life? Is he going to be for the God-ordained family? Uh, Things that are in the Bible, uh, education through uh, the parents. Parents are supposed to so the biblical plan, take it for the needy or the orphan, or we were talking about socialism, how that's gone just wacko, and the government is doing this job instead of us, the Christians, the church, and individuals, helping the disabled, 
through the loving application of Christian giving or the tithe. And that's what the American dream always rested on, and that's what people vote for people that back those uh, principles. So it's important. The right and duty to bear arms, which is a controversial assertion for some in our day and age, John. Well, you know, I, I, I love when Jesus was talking to his, his uh, disciples, and he sent them on a, a missionary uh, trip earlier in their, their walk, and he, he sent them out. He said, I, you know, when I sent you out without a money belt and a bag and sandals, did you not lack anything? And, and they said, no, we didn't lack anything. And then he said, well, whoever has a money bag and a belt, take it along, you know, travel lightly. But whoever has no sword, sell it. Sell your coat, in fact, and buy one. He was teaching them that self-defense was important. It was better to be out in the cold without a coat on than not have uh, self-defense. So Jesus taught us there that self-defense, defending yourself, is proper. And all throughout Scripture we see that with King David, all the way through Nehemiah, everybody. And uh, so... Bearing arms is a, a biblical principle, and again, in self-defense, that's what we're talking about. So, yes, I am a big supporter of the Second Amendment right uh, to bear arms, and absolutely. We need to have the right to protect ourselves. What is justice? How does that relate to liberty? Because that's another term that is being bandied about and, and maybe being distorted in this time. Well, the, you know, the idea of the, uh, I know you know Kirk, he endorsed your book and mine, right? Mm-hmm. A great friend of ours. You know, there's a, a monument in Massachusetts called the National Monument to the Forefathers. And we did a film on it, Kirk and I and some other guys called the Monumental. And this monument actually shows kind of the matrix of liberty, uh, the statue there is faith. She's 81 feet high, pointing to heaven. And then underneath her are morality, law, education, and liberty. And, of course, when you talk about law, that was your question, right? Justice, uh, the balancing just and proper laws implemented in society. Like you said earlier, God's higher law implemented in society. So, it goes back to that question again when we just have to say no sometimes. If the government or somebody is asking us to do something against God's law, we don't do it. And there's just, you know, just weights and measures as an example if you applied it to our monetary system. My gosh, we're printing money. How is that justice? You know, we're printing money left and right, and there's no standard, there's no backing to it. That's not justice either. That's, that's going to cause inflation. And how does a poor guy that's living on a fixed income, not justice to him, right? Final thing I wanted to ask you about, because people ask, why do you guys call this a Judeo-Christian ethic? How much of the foundations that our founders embedded in us, how much of them were inspired by the history of the Jewish people, what Christians would call Old Testament Israel? How much influence did that hold sway over our own founding? Well, Israel, of course. We, you know, we look to Israel for uh, the Old Testament and, and the stories in Israel for all of life. It's right there. And, you know, the exciting thing to me is when, when Christ said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, basically that the conquering church would take the attack to hell, 
not the other way around. We're reminded that everyone will know the Lord at some point. And so we take great confidence in that, and that, uh, you know, Christianity and our Judeo-Christian roots are, are sound, and they, they, you know, they can restore freedom and prosperity. But it's just like if our nation will voluntarily return to those eternal principles of right, that's what Jefferson called it, those laws given at Mount Sinai, there you go, there, there's the beginning of it. But then we hold our representatives accountable today uh, to limit their jurisdiction of the protection of our God-given rights. So I think I answered your question, didn't I? It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's called The Liberty Book. Uh, John Bona, B-O-N-A, is the author. John, thanks for joining us tonight, man. We appreciate it. All right, Steve. Thank you. All right, take care. How many people, when we hear, when they hear the word liberty, understand what that really means in the context of the conversation we just had, gentlemen, do you think? Not enough. I think that's clear. That's a way to skirt around the question, but clearly not enough. Uh, if they think liberty, they conflate it with uh, the freedom, and the words are similar. But uh, when you go down uh, that road, uh, what freedom means in today's culture, it means uh, freedom to do whatever the heck I want to do. I think that's that's what it means to too many people. Liberty to people means libertinism these days. Hmm. It has nothing to do with genuine freedom. And therefore, we are in chains. That is well said. We'll come back, wrap up tonight's show in a moment. to pry this microphone from his cold, dead fingers. This is Steve Dace. All right, we've come to the end of another show here this evening. So what did we learn here tonight, gentlemen? Aaron, you may begin. What did you learn? I learned that uh, in reviewing some of those uh, sound bites from your earlier interview this morning on C-SPAN that uh, we live in a nation that are that, that that's full of people. Uh, now this wasn't this wasn't the rule because there were other callers that, that called in and, and they had some good questions to ask, but there are far too many people in our country who just either don't uh, are too lazy to uh, look for the truth or don't want to actually hear the truth. And I think that I think that bears out in some of the uh, questions you got asked, you know, about uh, toddlers with AK-47s and um, uh, otherwise. Why aren't you supporting Donald Trump? Uh, you, you just want Hillary Clinton to be elected. There are t- far too many, far too many, and I'm not saying anything new or profound here, far too many low-information people in our country. And until that changes, um, and until, I, I mean, of course, our, our biggest need is revival, but in, until that changes... Uh, we're going to keep seeing the type of uh, electorate that we saw this uh, this election cycle. You know, the irony of, of how many low-information people we have, Todd, is we are inundated with more information than we've ever had before. But I think because of the spoon-fed way it is delivered to us, 
that I think a lot of people, and I think the Republican presidential nominee is one of these people. We all have that one guy in our family that because he has his favorite news network, whether he's a liberal, it's MSNBC, or if he's a conservative, it's Fox, and he has it on in the background all day long, that one uncle, and he thinks because he sees the, the crawlers at the bottom, the breaking news alerts, and he, and, and he sees those, that he knows everything. And there is no amount of facts or data. He does, and you even point out that the headlines that he saw at the crawler at the bottom of the screen, he actually didn't even get the full story. And he's just so obstinate and indignant that he knows it all because he's, he's, he's seen, he skimmed these headlines all day long. Do we not all have somebody like this guy in our families? And yeah. I, think, I think a lot of Americans have become like this. And, and I think that the Republican presidential nominee, that's why he says stuff like, oh, man, the Obamacare thing's just terrible, which it is. Something like 90% increases in, in, uh, in, uh, 90% increases in the uh, coverages. Uh, you know why he said 90%? Because he saw a headline at a crawler at the bottom of the screen that said incre- massive increases. It was 22%, actually. So he just had to make up a... Just because you know stuff doesn't mean you're informed. Agreed. Uh, I learned that our new segment is going to be a lot of fun. And it's not going to be easy when so many paradigms have just been absolutely shattered and up for grabs. Uh, we need new... Uh, Rosetta Stones. Many of those Rosetta Stones are the old Rosetta Stones and the Rosetta Stones we always need, uh, the gospel and the constitution. But the lay of the land starting November 9th, oof, it's going to be a doozy. And deciding whether to buy, sell, or hold, whole different game of poker, man. I, I agree. I, I think this election will end two weeks from now. But the misery that caused it sadly will not. John 317. You're listening to Steve Dace.